Well, money is being poured in to solve any liquidity issues at Credit Suisse. In fact, with all that money heading out the door, it really should be called Debit Suisse, shouldn't it, really? But markets seem happy that the issue is being resolved for now, and help is at hand for another US bank as well. So it's back to fighting inflation, with the ECB pushing up interest rates by 50 basis points. Business as usual, it seems. Although, will they go as far and as often? It all depends on the data. Speaking of which, very strong employment numbers in Australia yesterday, something the RBA can't ignore, surely. It's Friday, the 17th of March, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. and European shares have jumped back up again, a 2.5% rise in the Nasdaq at close in the U.S., 1.7% for the S&P 500, 1.2% for the Dow, plus 2% for the Eurostoxx 50 and the CAC current, 1.6% for the DAX. Bond yields are back on the rise, 10-year Treasuries up 12 basis points, two years up 30 basis points this morning, hitting almost 4.23%. Ten-year bunds in Germany up 16 basis points. Two years have climbed 20. Aussie ten-years, which were down 10 basis points yesterday, down to 3.33%, are now back up to 3.4%. Not quite the big moves we've been seeing in Europe and the US. The US dollar is down a quarter percent uh, today on the DXY, with a 0.4% rise in the euro, a half percent rise in the pound, a 0.6% rise in the Aussie dollar, which is back over 66.5 US cents. The Swiss franc also up a third of 1%. An oil back up, 0.9% higher for WTI, 1.1% for Brent. It was edging towards $78, but it's bouncing off a bit from that now. Uh, so there we are. Crisis over, is it? Uh, $54 billion in liquidity to get Credit Suisse back through their crisis. Uh, their shares are up 13% today. Still three quarters down on a year ago, of course. Financial shares are up 2.1% in New York. Real estate down a third of 1% because we are back to pushing up interest rates. Uh, same old story. Nabs Ray Atrill joins me. And yes, the ECB uh, is doing just that, raising by 50 basis points to 3.5%. Apparently more concerned uh, about the, the message that a lesser hike would send. They didn't want to uh, uh, you know, spread panic. So they stuck with their plan, seems to be the message. Yes, it does. Good morning, Phil. And uh, yes, it reminds me of a, a great quote around yesterday from uh, um, the, 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 the hedge fund manager, um, his name Steve Leeson, I think, that uh, was the guy that shorted the property market, before the housing market before the GFC. At, uh, uh, very successfully, I might add, the, the, the feature of the, uh, the star of the big short movie and, uh, and, the, right. uh, and the book by Michael Lewis. But uh, he made a quote yesterday saying that if the... Uh, you know, if if the Fed is scared to raise rates next week, then we should be really scared. And I think that sort of probably sort of sums up what the ECB has done here, where it's followed through with that commitment to fifty basis points. And you know, I think it also sends right. a message that uh, you know, if, if central banks have two objectives, one is financial stability, and one is you know meeting its inflation mandate, then they really need two instruments for dealing with that: interest rates for the for the latter and uh, liquidity and other forms of support for the former. Um, so I think that's sort of playing out here. Um, that said, as you've just noted, um, President Lagarde in announcing the 50 basis point interest rate rise has said that financial data as well as economic data are now policy determinants. Mm. So she's already muddied, the, in that sense, she's muddied the waters relative to what I've just said um, and, and, and said that um, it's not possible to comment at this point on the rate path going forward. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I note that um, money markets now have got just under 25 basis points of additional tightening 
priced into the whole curve and, and even that sort of further increase isn't fully priced or isn't fully priced at all yeah. but um you know not until q3 if it is going to happen so you're so, right uh, it is like two different messages isn't it i mean because on the cause she was saying oh look you know we've got this full toolkit that we can use uh that old toolkit getting it out again because that can help us solve uh, any liquidity issues uh, and that is separate to the issue of, of interest rate rises but i'm not prepared to say how much we're going to mm-hmm. raise interest rate rises because of this because of this environment which we you know just in case the toolkit doesn't right. work perhaps we can't get it open I mean, I mean to be fair i think she's saying that um you know there's a long way that, no there's still work to do so that has been the message that uh, that the ecb's been imparting mm. but you know we, we need to qualify that basically because we don't know what the world is going to look like and you know and, and where things also get muddy is when it comes to you know how what the ructions that are going on in markets how that feeds into overall financial conditions and the fed talks about financial conditions ad nausea so financial conditions are tightening for reasons other than central bank policy rate increases, for example, because credit spreads are blowing out, for example, um, you know, then that feeds back directly into the real economy. So uh, much as we'd like to completely separate you know, instruments from targets, uh, the reality is that uh, it, it, it's not as easy as that, if you like. And they are, I mean, their core rate now, they're expecting is going to be down to 2.5% next year and 2.2% in 2025, they said, they said in their statement. Uh, so is that a revision down? And, and while well, we're at it, 1% economic growth this year, 1.6% each of the two years that follow. So is that much of a change? Well, yeah, and also, but also for 2023. So we've got their core HICP yeah. forecast is down from what 4.6 to 4.2. So uh, somewhat encouraging there, even though headline is is um, has been revised up. I think hasn't it from six five point three mm. to six point three, um, and probably similar to. Um, um, you know, to some of the messaging in, in the UK budget, for example, from Jeremy Hunt earlier in the week, saying that a technical recession in the UK is no longer uh, likely. So we've got some sort of modest upward revisions, uh, I think, to, uh, to to growth. I'm not completely across the uh, the full suite of ECB uh, revisions at this uh, this hour of the morning, <laughs> but um, and we may well hear that from the OECD. I think yeah, they're coming today. up with the interim economic yeah. outlook, which we normally see as a lagging indicator of <laughs> of where growth is at. But um, I think there are reasons to think that we could. Could see some some modest upward revisions to growth forecast, heavily caveated, of mm. course, by uh, you know the risks posed to the real economy by what's going on in the financial. So world. Uh, okay, so that's the ECB, and on the, the the banking crisis, which looks like it might have gone away. So is this is it really just a liquidity crisis that's happening here, or is there a question of uh, solvency, or is it just you know some banks might be a bit insolvent technically if you look at it in the short term, but if you put a bit of extra liquidity into them, then they, they don't need to look at those numbers. What's what's actually happening? Because we have the First Republic Bank in the US is is also now getting bailed out $30 billion in money from the government. JP Morgan and Citibank apparently depositing some of their money in there too. So yeah, what is it? Liquidity, solvency, what's actually really going on? Well, there's a lovely comment from uh, one of the FT's commentators this week that talked about uh, um, SVB being a little bit, in, only a little bit insolvent, a bit like being a little <laughs> bit pregnant, isn't it, really? So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, there's no suggestion, I think, that uh, when it comes to Credit Suisse, that there was a, there was a solvency issue there. And, uh, and again, mm. where, the, where the, 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 the waters are muddied, there may be no solvency issue, but the liquidity uh, crisis that, that um, you know, that, that, or the liquidity issues that result from deposit outflows, where it's a very rational for you know, individuals to say, well, I'm hearing some bad bad headlines about a particular XYZ bank that I happen to be a customer of, um, why don't I just take my deposits out? You know, even then, then you know, yeah. if enough people do it that, then all of a sudden, then, 
you know, you're running into sort of potential solvency issues. So uh, that's all about confidence, isn't it, basically? So, um, yeah. but yeah, interesting moves that, um, as I say, that's, what is it? It's about $30 billion. So all of the major US banks um, have effectively been, I'm assuming, been arm twisted by the, the Fed and the regulators to show their sort of confidence, if you like, in First Republic. And together, they're going to deposit $30 billion uh, into the coffers. So this is very much you know, getting all the banks around the table with the feds and the regulators and saying, right, you know, let's uh, let's head off a potential, um, you know, deposit uh, withdrawal crisis, if you like, by um, by showing our, showing our support there. So but this, it's, not, it's not unique in that sense. We had that, uh, you know, back in the sort of GFC era, basically, where the banks were uh, being obligated to come and... Uh, you know, and support their friends, as it were, and, and anybody who didn't come to the table suffered some uh, some horrible future consequences. The demise of Bear Stearns being uh, being <laughs> was, one of them. Yeah, when they were shunned exactly. So, so what? Um, so, where does this leave us now in terms of expectations for terminal rates for the ECB and for the Fed? And we can talk about the RBA in, in, in just a second. I mean, so the markets have come back, but they haven't come back fully, have they? So, and as we know, the ECB is, you know, not saying what happens next. So is they, are we expecting that perhaps they're not going to go quite as far? Or are we just sitting there saying, well, we don't know, you know, it's, we're blind to it. Let's just wait and see what the data shows. <clears throat> well, I think that, um, you know, following the ECB's move, I mean, they were first cab off the rank, um, you know, since the, uh, you know, the SVB um, crisis erupted and, and obviously what's followed from that. Uh, and the fact that they have, uh, you know, they've delivered on their prior promise, albeit as we've just said, with the very caveats about the way forward. Um, for the Fed, I've seen that pricing was about sort of a fifty percent probability of a twenty-five point rise ne- at next week's meeting. Um, that's now risen to about twenty basis points, so it's about an eighty percent probability. So the ECB's move, have, you know, has uh, clearly impacted on. Uh, expectations for what other central banks would uh, would do, and I would personally would be, you know, unless something very major blows up in markets between now and uh, the middle of next week when the Fed meets, I would personally be be very surprised if the Fed didn't deliver that twenty five. But in terms of you know the twenty five fifty debate, I think is is sort of buried for the time being, and. You know, with reference to the to Jay Powell's totality of the of, of the data, um, you know, I think there was enough probably mm. in last Friday's employment report, and um, you know, and the PPI numbers that we had that you talked about with Ken yesterday. Um, you know, yeah. that, that would probably have made twenty five more likely than fifty, much more likely than fifty, even if uh, if we hadn't had these these financial market ructions. Yeah, and few signs of weakness in the US yesterday. So, building permits and housing starts were up more than expected in February. Initial jobless claims have fallen as that's well. right so back to what 192 so we had that poke above 200 212,000 mm. the last week um which you know were tending to be dismissed as weather related because we had um um you know we had storms snowstorms in california and the upper midwest which would have uh, you know prevented some people casual workers yeah. getting to work for example and then signing on so, it's, uh, it, it so message, it's, a very, it's a very slow trend isn't it you know if the if well the trend, absolutely it is it, it, if it is a trend it, it's almost imperceptible isn't it in terms yeah. of upward trend although again as we've said before it does very much lag things like the challenger gray christmas um, monthly layoff numbers and they're still saying that uh, you know mm. claims should rise because you know when people get laid off they get uh, you know redundancy payments which last them a while and it's not until they run out that we start to see you know, people signing on uh, signing on for the dole um, so in that sense you know we still think that um, you know the trend will rise and that uh, that will produce a well, at least yeah. a modest rise in unemployment going we, forward but yes the numbers are strong 
Um, uh, on the other the side, other- the Philly Fed Manufacturing Index, well below expectations. New orders, CapEx, employment there, all well down. Uh, prices paid down a bit, but not enough perhaps to turn the yeah. turn the dial. But import prices mm-hmm. down 0.1%. That's uh, uh, less than January, less than expected. So, uh, you know, so so weakness there, I guess. So a bit of a, bit no, of a I mix th- there. Yes, I think so. And we had that Empire um, New York State survey, didn't we, earlier in the week, mm-hmm. which we already talked about, which was it also came in the week. And the surprise there is that typically – a lot of these regional, um, certainly manufacturing biased um, survey numbers, you know, do tend to follow China PMIs. And then given the, the vigor that we've seen or the rebound in China PMIs, you might have thought that would show up in better numbers here, but, yeah. but clearly not so. So, you know, a bit of a disconnect between uh, China and, and, and the US in that respect. But And the other number, which is on the strong side, as you mentioned, was housing starts up almost 10%, with permits mm. up nearly 14%, expected to be flat. One thing I think might be going on there is that, you know, because of, um, you know, the fact that mortgage rates are so much higher, there's a huge disincentive for anybody to move house. And, uh, you know, and so existing home supply is, is, is very limited by that, right. which does right. mean that people that want to buy for the first time, um, you know, are being forced to, to, to buy new. And that may be why we're seeing sort of new home sales and housing starts showing the strength that they are at the moment. But so uh, volumes that, down, uh, but prices up. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. we'll say volumes of existing stock um, because yeah. people are saying, well, if, if, I, if I sell my existing house and go and buy another one, I've got to refinance my mortgage. And I'm, I'm, I'm locked in at 2% for 30 years. And if I go and get a new mortgage, I'm mm. going to pay 5%. So what's not to like about that? So I think I'm staying put. And then people that want to get into the market uh, are then forced to, uh, to to buy new houses. Right. Makes sense. Now, uh, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index is out today. So uh, are central banks paying much attention to consumer expectations now? I mean, if they if they see, saw them dipping lower, will they take that as a sign that they don't have to try so hard? Or I mean, or does it only work on the way up? Well, uh, <laughs> I think as long as they see relative stability, they'll still, the Fed in particular continues to point to, you know, relatively well-anchored long-term inflation expectations. So in the case of that University of Michigan region, it's the five to 10-year uh, number that gets most attention. Janet Yellen has drawn um, explicit attention to it in the past when she was leading the Fed. Um, it was 2.9% uh, last month and is expected to remain there uh, today. So uh, were we to see, you know, a leap higher, then, uh, you know, I think that would be concerning. Um, you know, vis-a-vis, you know, inflation expectations becoming yeah. unanchored. But um, um, so, yeah, I, I think markets probably won't take much m- much notice, but but certainly and the Fed does. So in that sense, a bit more time before the uh, the RBA, of course, but they must be looking at yesterday's uh, labour market report for Australia, the unemployment rate actually falling down to 3.5%, back to where it was in December, with that 75,000 jump in full-time employment. Uh, I mean, we knew that there were people waiting to start work, but maybe not quite so many. So, uh, does I mean, is that, that going to be change the approach from the RBA? I mean, is it is it a concern? Well, remember that um, you know when when Phil Lowe gave that speech a couple of weeks ago, he identified four specific pieces of economic news that would have bearing on the uh, on the April decision on whether to to push on with another quarter point move or pause. Um, two of those we've had this week: the NAB survey and yesterday's employment report. Both of which, you know, in our view, fall you know, pretty firmly in the camp that would support uh, an April hike. And just looking at money market pricing this morning, I see that the market is still saying no uh, rate rise in April. In fact, uh, a small possibility of a cut is where the money market is. It has reduced a little bit um, you know, during the course sure of yesterday post-employment. So if we're looking at that, that where things are, uh, and I think, again, sort of Ken's been touching on this in terms of, you know, 
where the sort of mispricing in markets uh, currently lies. You'd have to say markets saying, if you're going to do anything in April, RBA, you're going to be cutting rates. Uh, that to us still is uh, pretty hard to get ahead around, I right. have to say. Okay, well, a good point to leave it on. Great to talk, Ray. Catch you again next time. Well, thanks, Phil. And that next time is, uh, I think, Monday morning. I think Ray's back on with us on Monday morning. I'm certainly here on Monday. I'll see you then. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Thanks for joining us this week.